Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I am your host, Tony Fry. Thank you for listening. Today is January 16th, 2020, and on this day in 1957, Liverpool's Cavern Club opened to the public. Now, uh, the Beatles would play there 292 times in the early days of their career, but the Kinks would also play there a couple times uh, in 1964 and 1965, and then a ton of every other great band that went through England uh, eventually played there, including the Stones and Queen, and um, a, a ton of bands went through there. It's a legendary club, and it opened on this day in 1957. Um, thanks for joining me today. As I said yesterday on the Kinks episode of this podcast, I'm looking for your phone calls. I want you to call me at 925-494-1739 and tell me what your favorite or least favorite Beatles or Kinks song is and why. And if you've got a few, call a couple times. Uh, just a new call for every every song you want to talk about. But let me know what songs mean something to you, why they mean, like if it's got a, you know, if you propose to somebody while In My Life was playing or, you know, I don't know what, um, or you were hit by a car while Wild Honey Pie was being played and you have a negative association. I want to hear your stories about these songs from both bands. So give me a call, 925-494-1739, or you can email me, kinksandbeatsaherohabit.com, or you can visit herohabit.com and take advantage of our new community features that include a Kinks and Beats daily um, discussion group where we are just talking about these two bands all the time. Um, and it's brand new. It just launched this week. Uh, we revamped it from the old one, and it's much better now. And um, I hope you'll swing by there and join me. Today, we're talking about Got to Get You Into My Life, the, uh, which was released August 5th, 1966, as the penultimate track on Revolver. I know at least one listener is thrilled that I just used the word penultimate. So um, the song comes between George's I Want to Tell You, which is actually one of my favorite tracks on that album, and John's Tomorrow Never Knows. And I Want to Tell You is kind of an up-tempo pop shuffle that has some very dissonant and dark um, elements to it that we'll talk about when we get into that particular song. And then Tomorrow Never Knows is like the peak of psychedelic rock and roll with that droning um, bass line and that trance-like drum line and all this and the weird sound effects that are flying in. But Got to Get You Into My Life is kind of a uh, an homage to the Motown sound. And it was a conscious homage. They were they were they had a sound they were going for, although it took a while for them to get there. So these last three songs <clears throat> on any other album would be maybe the the three best songs on the entire album. And yet on Revolver, they may be the three most forgotten songs. You don't hear any of these songs really reference much outside of the diehard Beatles fans like, like us. Um, and I would imagine... A lot of people know Got to Get You Into My Life more for the Earth, Wind, and Fire version that came out in 1978 um, than the Beatles version. Although they're aware that it's a Beatles song, we hear the Earth, Wind, and Fire version on the radio all the time. And you almost never hear it on just regular classic rock radio. So three great songs to close out uh, what some would argue is their greatest album ever. 
So uh, it was released as a single in 1976 to promote a compilation album. And in 1976, it actually reached number seven in the charts in America and was their last top 10 hit until 1995 um, when they released Free as a Bird, which we've already covered in this podcast. So you can go check that one out. And it's notable for being the first Beatles song with a horn section. Um, So recording begins on April 7th, 1966. And I like uh, talking about the sequence of the recordings, as much information as we, as we can find. And um, so it begins uh, April 7th, 1966 after they spent five hours working on tomorrow never knows. And that session was mostly um, the loops and the sound effects and stuff. So they spent five hours working on tomorrow never knows, take an hour for dinner uh, and then return to the studio to begin work on got to get you into my life for another five hour session. Um, so 10 hours they've been in the studio at this point. They recorded five takes that day, uh, but the song is slower. It's kind of droney. There's not a lot going on. There's it's, it's really lacking in the energy that it will eventually have. John and George have a background vocal, um, that you never hear. It, it gets, by the time they get to the release version, that backing vocal is gone. Um, you can hear it on anthology two. If you were looking to hear the process of this song. And the reason I think it's cool to go through the process of this particular song is if you listen to that early take at at what it sounded like uh, on take five versus what it sounds like on revolver, it took a huge evolution over just a few recording sessions which speaks to their musicianship, but it also speaks to their flexibility to spend five hours on something and completely abandon it because you know you can do better and that it's just not the sound you want. Sometimes songs are just hard to to arrange, even the greatest songs. Sometimes they're just hard to come up with a cool arrangement. Um, so that was April 7th. The next day on the 8th, they return to the song and record takes six through eight over a six and a half hour session. Uh, take eight was Mark Best. And would be the ultimate foundation for future overdubs. So in two nights, they've gone from this slow um, pop tune to this more soulful, up-tempo, more Motown-sounding pop tune in two nights over the course of what, 11 and a half hours. Uh, then we go... That was Friday. We go to Monday, April 11th. It's when they overdub four and a half hours of overdubbing and then they kind of sit on it. That's April 11th. They don't return to it until May 18th, um, which is where they record the new horn parts. And the interesting thing about this is apparently there's no arrangement written. Paul, you know, they, they, they assemble the, uh, the musicians into the studio. Paul sits down at a piano, plays out, what he wants the horn players to play on, on the piano. And then they kind of figure out the arrangement themselves. Uh, apparently John was in the, in the booth and George was kind of bouncing back and forth, um, working in the studio and, and working in the booth. So that session, we get the horn section. So now it's really starting to feel like a Motown tune and then they sit on it. So what did I say? That was, uh, May 18th. It was a 12-hour session. 
And they also did lead vocals, backing vocals, and guitars. And by the end, the song was done and two mono mixes were made. Then we jump ahead to June 17th and they decide they need a new guitar passage overdubbed it, which means that the old mixes are now useless because they don't have this new guitar part that they've done. So five more mixes are produced. And then on June 20th, the song's final mix was complete and the horn sections were artificially double tracked. So to make it sound like a bigger section, what they do is they take the original horn line and then they um, duplicate it, but they play it back just a fraction of a second later than the original. And what it does is it gives the illusion that there are twice as many musicians on it because it's just a little out of sync. It feels like it's uh, extra players. And this is a technique the Beatles use all the time. There's hardly a John Lennon vocal that doesn't feature uh, what they call ADT, artificial double tracking. And actually, the Beatles initially would do this as a tape effect. They would take the original tape and then they would be they would bounce it down to another tape and then superimpose it uh, with the different with the variable uh, delay. Later in their career, I think 68 or 69, they actually had um, artificial double tracking machines that were invented specifically to do this technique that the Beatles were doing. So, I mean, their influence on just recording techniques, not only how we treat the recording studio, but the actual machinery in the studio was influenced by this band. So I'm not going to play you anything from this song because this song is almost impossible for me to sing. The vocal range on this is technically two octaves. It's mostly about an octave and three quarters, but on the last bar during the fade out, the, about the last or the second to last bar you can hear before the fade out is completely over. Paul sings a high D uh, over the every single day. That little part, that every is a high D. The first note in the song is two Ds below that. So this dude is spanning two octaves and he's not even all the way down on his low range. He could go lower. I don't know how much higher he could go. That is a high belt that he's got but it's a two octave range over the course of this song and it's also a tricky song to sing um just because of the intervals during the chorus that got to get you into my life he's singing a b flat over a g major chord so we've got a minor third and a major third conflicting with each other that's what gives it that bluesy sound that's a, it's it's not an uncommon thing to hear but it makes it trickier but the interval from um I didn't know what I would find there. The difference between find and there is a minor seventh. Not a big deal. I mean, guys can guys can do it all the time. You know, plenty of singers can do a minor seventh. But the tricky part, and that's just shy of an octave, in case you're not aware. That is one half step shy of a full octave, or two half steps shy of a full octave. Um, what makes it tough is he lands on a G. He goes from find is on an A, and then he jumps up to the G. Now, here's the thing. He's singing over a G chord and sings an A. So that's the ninth of the G, or the second. And then when he jumps up to the G, he's singing over an F chord. So he's going from the ninth of a G chord to the ninth of an F chord 
over the span of a minor seventh. That is not a super easy vocal passage. And it really speaks, I think this is one of Paul's best vocal performances, definitely on Revolver. Although I might have said that when we talked about For No One earlier. I guess this week is just Paul week, uh, as far as the Beatles songs go. So it's an incredible range. It's really uh, showcases him as a vocalist. The arrangement, I don't know. I think the horns are a little too close, Mike. I would have liked to, to have heard a little bit more air in those horn things, but I get what they were going for. John actually, in a Playboy interview in 1980, um, said he thought this was one of McCartney's best songs. And lyrically, uh, it's about marijuana. It's not about love or anything like that. The you in Got to Get You Into My Life is weed. So this is a drug song that gets played on the radio, that gets covers, that people praise for being this great catchy pop tune. But Lucy in the Sky of Diamond with Diamonds, which is not a drug song, gets banned by the BBC for being a drug song. So it all goes to show, you know, if you hide the if you if you put this, you know, enough subtext on there, the radio people can't tell. What do you think about this song? 925-494-1739. Give me a call. Or you can follow us at Hero Habit on Facebook. Twitter, and Instagram. All right. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Make sure you swing by Spotify and uh, subscribe to our playlist if you would like to hear all the songs we talk about before we talk about them or after, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Swing by herohabit.com to stay up to date on everything and, uh, and to look at our database with the previous episodes separated by album. All right. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.